welcome to a global fintech podcast with Matt and Premel. Um, we thought we would take an episode and do a, a real retrospective on basically the reason Premel and I met each other was through founding Kiva.org together in 2005. Uh, we got a bunch of the crew uh, that helped us start Kiva, originally all volunteers together to reminisce about the, the various pathways we took towards founding this world-changing organization together. And I might say that a lot of heroes and a lot of really, really special people that were part of the story um, couldn't make it today. Um, uh, but there were so many people other than us and other than the people on this podcast that helped make Kiva um, the world-changing organization it is today. This is a really special episode for Matt and me today. Uh, we have the early crew, a, a group of volunteers that helped uh, co-create Kiva and get it off the ground um, uh, over 15 years ago now. And we wanted to uh, just have folks share their stories um, and reminisce a bit and um, also um, thank uh, so many of the early Kiva lenders and partners and volunteers who were there who believed um, in this very hopeful corner on the internet. So thank you for making in a reality, if you were there way back then, uh, Matt and I are profoundly grateful to be uh, connected to you in this way. And uh, for those of you who are curious about how Kiva got started and some of the stories from the early days, uh, we hope you enjoy uh, this episode. I was gonna ask people to share three things um, if you want to. One's uh, the story of how you joined Kiva, um, your favorite story at Kiva and uh, also, like what Kiva means to you looking back at it um, this many years later. So that's it. Uh, so I'm gonna just go by the order of my screen. Uh, Carl, do you wanna share yours? So how, how did I first join uh, Kiva? So um, Matt and I worked um, at TiVo um, long, long time ago. It's what, 2005 or so. Um, and at um, that time, Matt, you were working on your on the first version of Kiva nights and weekends. And I remember you coming in, showing me the versions, kind of explaining your vision for it. Um, and you know, I I remember I remember really liking the idea. I made I remember making an early loan on the platform, and I actually looked it up today and was to Agnes in Uganda for to buy goods for her store. Um, and that was, I looked at it, it was March of 2005, we made that loan. Um, and so uh, fast forward a couple of months, I was bored at TiVo. Um, you, you were asking uh, for some help with the site. Um, we ended up you know, spending a bunch of time in my little cramped apartment in Mountain View. Uh, Jeremy, you came in. You, we were all sitting there hacking, um, trying, trying to get everything working. Um, but those were good times. Ended up um, being able to travel and live over in Uganda for a while. Um, met with some of the entrepreneurs. Met with some of the partners. Uh, tried the best I could to do some hacking over there, mostly failing over satellite link. Um, and so, but. Otherwise, that was, you know, that was, that was really the story. I was able to host a couple of the first um, 
Kiva, I don't, I don't know if you were calling them Kiva fellows then, but some of the interns who came over to, to help out. So that was, that was fun to be able to do that. And then um, one of my favorite stories um, from that time was um, that I remember the PBS guys coming over um, and oh. being able to travel around with them and kind of say, watching, watching how they made their, their, you know, they did a segment on, um, I actually forget which which PBS show. Frontline. Frontline. Frontline PBS. Um, we know that well. That, that really changed our lives. Yeah. So that was, and and I remember, like, we traveled around a couple of different cities in Uganda, and it, the, the show came out really well. Um, but I remember behind the scenes, the hundreds of little kids running after them, trying to look through the camera, um, trying to, and the chaos going on, and then none of that really showing up in the, in the documentary, yeah. which was fun. Um, and then in terms of what Kiva means to me, um, to me, Kiva always um, meant connections. Like I always, I enjoyed doing the loans because um, I really felt connections with who I was. I felt connections with kind of the places I was able to loan to. Um, and to me, I think that's, that's, to me, that was kind of the joy of being part of Kiva is, seeing people make those connections and being able to really learn the stories of where their money was, was going and what was happening to it. Thanks, Carl. I'm gonna to try to go in roughly chronological order. I think Jeremy, that might be a good segue to you and then Fiona. Uh, boy, man, uh, how did I get involved? Uh, Fiona and I were, were staying at my parents' house in Connecticut uh, we read about Kiva, I think it was a CNN art, article or something. It was like a blog post. I, I don't even remember. It was a, a CNN article where there was a tidal wave of money. Yeah. Me. Yeah. And we had just come from Southeast Asia. Fiona and I had raised some money after the tsunami for uh, people who get, who'd been affected by that. And uh, I remember we read about Kiva. Uh, I sent like an email or something, which obviously went nowhere, but I, I, I wound up, uh, I did a, a who is on the Kiva.org domain name. And Matt was uh, inexperienced and unprofessional enough to actually put his real phone number in there. Yeah, that's good. So I called him. <laughs> your flip phone, picked up my flip phone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I called him and we, we got to talking, uh, but he put me in, in, uh, touch with the, their parent organization, which was a nonprofit called uh, Village Enterprise. Oh, Kiva wasn't even a company back then. It yeah. wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even yeah. a thing. But we wound up in San Francisco. Uh, we wound up kind of crashing in Carl's apartment. We were like staying at Premel's house for, I, what was that, like two years? I don't Like it was forever. Like we stayed at Premel's house for ages. Uh, and, it, you know, we, we didn't get paid for, for a long time. Uh, and, and Nope, you did not. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> still waiting for those steps. I'm looking forward to getting <laughs> that the back pay, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, and I think that brings me to kind of my favorite story. I got a lot of favorite stories about Kiva, you guys, like so many. But I feel like the story that I, that I should talk about is uh, Carl alluded to us being on PBS, and Matt said it was a game changer for us. Uh, the story that I've told. Uh, and that has gotten me a lot of jobs. Uh, huh. When we were on, you got paid for it. Good. I got paid, man. <laughs> because of Kiva. 
uh, when we were on Frontline, I remember being in that San Francisco office, that old sweat lodge office, and it was uh, Halloween, and the Frontline episode was going to air. Rupert, you were there. Prem was laughing. Uh, Prem was in this penguin costume. It was ridiculous. I was actually looking for pictures, and I couldn't find them. Uh, Prem was in this penguin costume, uh, and we were all super excited because this is like our big shot. We we're going to be on TV. And, uh, you know, we had all these graphs and stuff projected on a, on the wall and we were psyched. And I remember the, the, the frontline episode was going to air at 6 30 PM Pacific time. Cause that's 9 30 PM Eastern time at like 6 30. They were like, okay, welcome. Uh, this is a uh, frontline PBS. we got a great show for you today. We're going to introduce you to Kiva. As soon as they said the word, our site was down as down could be like that's because we could we could only support like five concurrent users so like five people went to kiva five concurrent users and like <laughs> the, the servers like sweating sweating bullets so yeah it totally went down uh we were down for sam let, let's not be let's not be judgmental just because it was eight thousand database hits per per page load uh, we, we're all learning uh, <laughs> I went down and it was down for like three days uh, but I remember uh, kind of after I don't know if it was that first night or the second night but uh, we put up a, 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 a page that said you know welcome frontline viewers you melted our servers uh, if you want to donate to help us get new servers uh, you know here's it we just threw a PayPal link in there uh, I didn't have the foresight to make it go to my personal account but, you know, lessons learned. And, you know, we were joking earlier about us not getting paid. That actually, if I remember correctly, Matt, you might have a different memory, but that we raised like a ton of money. I don't remember how much. That was a that was lucky, lucky mistake, they say. Mistake. We did, that was not intentional. That was not, we made, like, yeah, like 200 grand, 200 yeah. grand in a weekend. Also, also, we could pay you and you rented an apartment. And, yeah, we're living we with had, the ex ex Stanford uh, basketball players. <laughs> we had all been working for for, yeah. for ten months. We were finally able to get paid. That was Halloween. By Thanksgiving, we hit our first million in in in, in loans raised. Yeah. By by Christmas, we hit our, our second million. It was off to the races. And it, I, I don't know. I, I I tell that story because it's just a. It, I think it's a it's a great Kiva sort of origin story for me in like being able to roll with the punches and like doesn't go your way so you figure out something to something to do and like do it fast uh, i feel like that was the kiva lifestyle for the five years that i was there i mean i don't know what it was like after after i left but i feel like it was constant. yeah yeah the playbook to start the playbook to start like a new website that's database backed wasn't widely known i don't know it probably could have done better but we didn't even use like a version control we, we used the version i did not I then not 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 that weekend we had like files with the, we had folders i would just i would just email you a folder of the code and you would like deploy it on rackspace or whatever not even rackspace it was like one dream yeah it was uh, dream dream host yes it was like a just a i don't know so 9.99 a month service yeah so I feel like that was a long and rambly answer. I apologize for taking so much time. What does Kiva mean to me? I, my whole life would be different if it wasn't for Kiva. I, 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 don't, I really don't even, like it sounds, 
superlative is really true. Like, yeah, that's true for most. It's true for many of us. True for many of us in this call, actually. Uh, Fiona, why don't you go next? Yeah. Um, well, I think Jeremy covered the how I came to work for Kiva. <laughs> Had the same story. So I'll jump into um, some favorite Kiva stories. I have a couple. Um, I love remembering when we went to a microfinance conference in LA very, very early on. And I have this memory, like we were sneaking into the conference. We didn't all have passes. <laughs> so we tried to figure out how we could all get in. And uh, Muhammad Yunus was there, Dr. Muhammad Yunus and Matt and Premel cornered him somehow at the conference and like basically put a laptop in front of his face we brought him to the computer lab we got him to go to the library computer lab at a conference oh is that to look at her yeah is that how it was and yeah. they're explaining to, to him it's just like it's such a an amazing because i i'm imagining what was going through his mind at that time which i'm sure was what on earth is this um, that's one. I also have another a memory of um, being in Premel's house and listening to a call. I think Chelsea was on the call too when Premel was explaining, and I've actually told this story a lot of times, explaining to an MFI in Cambodia, just trying to explain what we were trying to do. And if my memory is right, I'm not sure if it is, but I feel like there are parts of the conversation where there were just these things that for us were so, you know, we're, I think that there was like one part where you were having to explain like, you know, who would be these people that would just give $25 and people would just be on the internet. And like, what do you mean? People are just on the internet all day. And it was just so kind of, it's just one of those memories in my mind of like those real landmark moments where you have uh, inkling into oh like you know we're so in our bubble and we're so trying to create we have this idea in our head and then you have those moments where you're trying to explain it to somebody else and you're just realizing that bridge is longer than you thought it was or maybe that it is when we um mm -hmm. when we mm -hmm. kind of talk to each other um i also have a great memory of and picking up the phone it was nicholas christoph and i didn't know who he was and i was like googling him i was like oh <laughs> true story oh, <laughs> And yeah. he was like, I'm Nick Kristoff. I work in the New York Times. I'm going to Afghanistan and I want to find this baker. Like literally that was the conversation. And I'm like, <laughs> cool, okay, um, let's see how we're going to do this. And I think that kind of really demonstrates like just some of that beauty of the early days where it was just so pure. Like cornering Muhammad Yunus at a conference or Maria Shriver just walks into the office one day and we're all like, oh, hey, what's up, Maria? <laughs> Um, there were so, such pure moments and that kind of uh, leads me to what Kiva means to me. For me, um, there is a very unique uh, kind of idea or feeling that I had with Kiva and then I've had at different times or come across at different times. And it's just sometimes there's an idea that just needs to exist. You know, like has been said by other people, like this is the Kiva family and, and uh, it's attracted, you know, that there's a, a unique group of people that come together that are just so drawn by making something exist that needs to, it just needs to exist in the world. And when you do find those things, like those are the really special projects, whatever it is, whatever space it is, you know, it doesn't even have to be like a social justice thing, but um, 
sometimes there are those things that just, you know, we just need to make sure that before we move on, this thing lives on beyond us. That's beautiful. And the, the process of being part of that is really bonding for all of us and also um, life-changing. So it's, it's really humbling to be part of something like that, where you're, you feel like you're making something that just needs to exist and you're just a conduit to make it exist. Um, Allie and Johnny, you're in Nashville, you're going out to dinner, so you should. Uh... So uh, I'll talk really quickly. I came to Kiva straight out of school, actually. Um, I had become really interested in microfinance. I had read Banker to the Poor. I think it was around the time that Muhammad Yunus had won the Nobel Peace Prize and Kiva was like hot. So I applied, uh, Gerard hired me to man, uh, contact us at kiva.org. Um, and so I was working in customer service and, uh, yeah, it was like a really magical, uh, kind of first job, I think for a lot of reasons. Um, but I think Kiva so it is, was so magnetic, um, and just brought together like such, um, such kind of passionate and smart people. Um, so I feel really lucky to have, um, have had that be like my first work experience. Uh, I, Kiva like really feels like home to me in a lot of ways. I think like there's such a deep connection to um, the people that I worked with there. And then obviously like I met my husband. Um, we have a <laughs> family Hi. that is thanks Hi. to, thanks to Gerard and Matt and Primal and like, uh, Sorry. Yeah, it's called. Ben Elberger, I think I have you to thank because I had a friend who was a fellow um, and was part of Ben's portfolio. And I think he wrote an email when I was applying. So yeah, I, I mean, I just feel like uh, it does really feel like uh, like home and like family in so many ways, which is um, so special. Over to you. Yeah, I came to Kiva as a, a volunteer on a sabbatical from Oliver Wyman, Premel's former employer, uh, and did a volunteering stint for five months and met everyone. And then when you guys were starting Kiva Zip, um, somehow you managed to hire me back. And then Kiva means to me, yeah, I mean, I have a, a wife and three kids, thanks to Kiva. So that's the, the most important thing. They were the, all the Kiva friends. Um, ben, how did you get roped into this stuff? So I think it was you and Jess were presenting on the Stanford campus and I was still an undergrad. It was my last year. Um, and I was like, okay, this will be fun. I'll, I'll get involved in it. I, similar to the, the Jeremy and the payment thing. I remember graduating, about to graduate from uh, school. Promo goes, you should join Kiva. And I said, oh, I didn't think we had money to pay people. He goes, we don't. You go work at Starbucks 40 hours a week. You go work for us 40 hours a week. You'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be great. Like, it'll be awesome. And I'm like, I don't know that my, my parents will be super cool with me graduating Stanford and First going job. To Starbucks, like with yours. Yeah. And he goes, okay, fine, fine. Go get another job and then work for us 40 hours a week. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was an amazing uh, early few days. In the early days of Kiva, I do remember, Fiona might remember this as well. Uh, there was no automatic way to push a loan to the website. Um, right. So there was the button and somebody 24 hours had to be on staff to push the button of low. Yeah, to you had to do it. You had to activate like five an hour. Every exactly. Hour. Someone and had to then, press it because so, I didn't want it there to be too many. Remember, I didn't want there to be too many. Yeah. It was, I, I had this philosophy that it has to be a short list. Yeah. 
she was like, somebody would get on a plane and then the other people had to be ready to activate while they were on the plane yeah. and overnight. And we didn't have Slack. We oh, didn't have man. Slack, we didn't have surf phones. So it was like uh, just emailing around. Okay, press oh, the button. Man. That was the yeah. only way to come. It was awesome. I, I, that, was, that was really fun. Okay, so we're walking through history then here. I'm just trying to think. How do we get you rope in, Rupa? We actually had money at some point. We hired you. That yeah, that was, yeah, I, I think it was, I was kind of like fifth, fourth or fifth in line when I moved, moved away because I think we yeah. realized that there might be some uh, benefit to having someone in Philadelphia. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I was hired at that point. Um, but, you know, in between, I was there for the memories that we all shared. It was the frontline PBS, um, you know, broke the internet moment and, um, and the penguin costume, which was insane. And, you know, almost seeing both Matt and Promel not knowing what to do because they were so excited, but um, it was a bittersweet moment of, of growth, but also just not really knowing what to do with it. And to add to Jeremy's story on that page of donation, I don't know if you guys remember, there was that, uh, that photograph at the bottom and there was a few of us working at a desk, um, you know, just to show, it was, I don't know if it was like a- Yes, not, not yes, a yes, yes. No, it's it was like, like a, a, here are hey, the people working hard pay, pay their salaries. And it was like us in an office, like four of us just working and it's like donate to yeah. these people. And these are all things that I just remember that was the time in my life where it was mm, all or yeah. nothing. You hustle, you make it happen. It didn't matter if we were paid. It didn't matter if we didn't sleep. It didn't matter. I can still wear it. Like I actually brought <laughs> That's so awesome. We should have all worn our Kiva swag. Quote on the back, you know, and I nice. remember wearing the same the same clothes over and over again, going into the office, and it was it was awesome. So, um, so those are my amazing memories, and um, you know, I, I think you guys will always be family. So that's oh, that's always going to be my heart. That's so good. That's so touching. Sam, you um, you got involved around this time. So I I feel like uh, that Christmas two thousand six. Uh, I remember trying to uh, email you and see if you needed some help. When I showed up in April, I think I, I showed up like two weeks after Zvi did. Um, I remember being in the, I think what you call the sweat lodge, Jeremy, <laughs> exactly. All of us, all of us in that same spot. Um, maybe the memory, uh, as nice as the sweat lodge was, the, the space that I can have the fondest memories for is the office on 18th Street. Um, and the one that sticks out in my head uh, was the day that we were on Oprah. Uh, for whatever reason, you crowded into like the smallest conference room in that space because that's the one that had the biggest TV. Uh, and we were sitting there all watching the broadcast go live. And I was in the corner uh, kind of like watching the, the, the meter on the server go. And kind of right when it kind of was starting to go explode, like threw up the splash page and put that solicit donations page back up there. And uh, I think we repeated this, you know, four times, one tree time zone throughout the day. Wasn't quite as exciting as the, the first time around, but yeah. um, Thank managed, God. To, managed to get everything funded and collect a bunch of donations along the way. But um, yeah, that's sort of like do it live. You know, there, there's nothing, there's nothing quite like having a connection between, you know, keystrokes you do and something happened on live TV to really, uh, just make you feel like uh, you, you, uh, you're living on the edge. In terms of what uh, Kiva means to me after the fact, I, I'm gonna blend a couple things together. I think that maybe Fiona was the one who said this, that like that magic, you know, when you get the right, right idea, right people together, 
and and just thinking back to how much you know we were almost carried by the lenders in those early days you know no matter how much we misstepped or did something wrong they kept you know propelling us down the right direction uh and that led it to the rest of you as well because like you said it's a it is a family that you will never quite forget yeah so yeah i think during the same time sam did and um i literally tried to call nobody answered nobody answered the email either i showed up in the office and there's chelsea the old the first office with one room and uh i think she put me into touch with Kermel, who said exactly the same thing that ben said yeah you totally work for us you know after <laughs> your visa so you have to get it. You have to get another job that will sponsor your visa, and you should work. Let's get another job. And then, and then well, come work with us. We get another job. <laughs> I work at I work at consulting for. Oh, they usually have programs where you can volunteer, right? So maybe you do that. And so, like, actually, to his credit, they did. Ernst and Yang had the program. So, and he said, "Can you automate your work?" I was like, "Yeah, I think I could." So I actually started like coding my my work so that I could like automate some of the manual stuff that like people did at Ernst and Young. So I was able to work like three, four days a week and <laughs> two days at Ernst and Young, and that's how I got started. Um, and there was like I think that. And they knew you were doing this. Yeah, they did, they did. Because my my I told my boss like hell because they they wanted a they wanted like a, somebody to kind of like be profiled as like a Ernst and Young good citizen like good Samaritan. So yeah, <laughs> I think my favorite story was actually I think we had a lot of parties there like the Maroon Five band and the Adrian Garnier like time at his house and that was like a long time back. But uh, we were on the front line. I think what, the thing that I noticed was we ran out of borrowers, right? And so I, coming from Indonesia, I'd watched this movie called Motorcycle Diaries. And I thought, oh, that sounds like a cool thing to do. So I told Kremel, hey, you know, I want to, I can like try to find microfinance banks um, in Southeast Asia. So on your motorcycle? Yeah, on a motorcycle. Yeah. So I, and he said, yeah, well, at the time we finally had some money. So he gave me like a stipend and I went, it was enough for me to buy an old motorcycle and a tent. And I went driving around like Cambodia, Vietnam, Indonesia, like literally like going village to village. Uh, so one of the stories was in Vietnam, I was looking, going to a village and I bring money from America. And so I came <laughs> to the village and who, had, who, who needs money? And I came to this microfinance bank and I said, well, how do you get the money? I said, well, I showed up, I had a preloaded version of the Kiva website with like pictures of borrowers from, from Africa. So there's no South, Southeast Asians at the time. And then I said, okay, you yeah. put your pictures of your borrowers here um, and then you know, we'll send you money. And then the first thing they did was they actually lifted my laptop and like shook it. Like, where's the money? <laughs> nobody knew. Like, they didn't know money transfers. They didn't know anything. So Whoa. it was bizarre. So that was my life for like 18 months uh, with Kiva. Um, and I remember the, the manual upload because I would be the one calling at like 2 a.m. Like when I was a partner, like, hey, can somebody upload this picture of a borrower? Because like nobody, because they wouldn't believe it until, unless it was on the website. They thought I would be like a scammer. Yeah, they thought you were a scammer. So you have to get it up right away. Yep. So anyways, yeah, so that so that's it. And what Kiva means to me is that I think for me, it was actually about the culture. I really love that early kind of moment of just bringing something to existence because it was good for the world. And I, I really tried to replicate that in like the two companies that I founded afterwards with Ben. Right? I think that that was that was it. And I think it's, it's that was really important. And then that was the basis for a lot of the success that, you know, some of these companies have had. That's great. Yeah, the Kiva Mafia is strong. Um, Anyone want to go next? I think we have a few of you. Who wants to go next? I'm happy, I'm to, happy go to go next. Cool, thanks. I think there's an echo though. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay, good. Um, so I think I want to start with, I had just gotten out of a relationship. So I was looking for an apartment and I found an apartment and the guy who was not living there for the moment for subletting 
was in Uganda. We started emailing. And what I found out was that he, his name was Bill Brick and he was in Uganda as a Kiva fellow. And that was how I found out about the fellowship. And I had already been creating this list after getting out of the relationship. I'd been creating this list of all these new things I wanted to do. And one of them was looking for opportunities um, to work or volunteer in Africa. And so it was just sort of this like beautiful situation that came together. And JD, you know, had interviewed me. He was shocked when I said my first choice is Liberia. <laughs> so why did he say that? Ben was my guide, my, you know, whatever you were called at the time. I call you my guide. Um, and uh, I remember Ben handing me a training, like 10 laptops. Like, can you take these to Leap, the local enterprise assistance That's program? Guys, smiling. I, I, Leap. Leap ended up being very challenging, as we all remember. Like, I feel like that's the thing about Kiva, the heart and soul of Kiva is so many good people doing good things. My life was absolutely transformed and changed by Kiva. Um, I love still keeping in touch with so, so many people. Um, and, you know, really, it is like family. Okay, so I guess I first got involved with Kiva because I was uh, on a conference panel with Matt back in like 2007. There's so many stories. One is like, you know, one Kiva, um, Kiva partner had found themselves in the middle of like a border dispute between Ar Armenia and uh, Azerbaijan. And I was like texting back and forth or uh, emailing back and forth with Alexis Ohanian, who was the Kiva fellow, how to get out of that situation. Um, still disputed, I think. Um, the, uh, the thing that's, that when I think back, you might remember we were, it was one of the skull trips. We were in London and uh, Matt got the idea like, hey, let's let's throw a party. And then it was like, uh, send out an email or uh, send out an email or some sort of post on the site about like, come meet, uh, you know, Kiva founders at so-and-so bar um, in like Kensington or something. And... I remember, first of all, it was a, it was a great, it was a great time. Like probably like we had a whole like section of the, of the bar cordoned it off. Maybe, maybe a hundred people showed up 50 to a hundred, something like that. Um, and I remember talking to this guy who's like, like shutting the place down, um, like at the very, like there till the bitter end. And this guy had never heard of Kiva until that day. He actually discovered, discovered the site randomly, w visited the homepage, was like, you know, first time conversion, made a loan, and then somewhere in the checkout process saw this invitation and was like, huh, okay, I'll go down and check it out. And then he and his girlfriend like stayed the whole time until the very end of the night. And I asked him, I was like, who does that? Who just like hangs out with the website, like, you know, that they just met on the, on the first day, so to speak. And the thing that he said that really struck me, he's like, every person that I met here, ha I felt like I had a connection to and like shared the same values. And he, he said it, it was like, unlike any other like random group of people that he uh, could remember running into. And I feel like that was, when I think about Kiva, that's really what it is. And I think those early lenders especially were, um, were very much like that, were like kind of, uh, you know, very different in a lot of ways, but like in this particular value of like human dignity and uh, there's something, there's a chord struck 
by Kiva. And I think uh, that the people, I think that magnetism is even stronger, you know, among the people that were so motivated to even come and work there. It's part of why this group is so amazing. Um, but that's, that's really what I think of is that, that magic. And, and when I, I also sort of, when I zoom out now, like 10 years later, and I think about how that was really, we were still in the honeymoon of like techno utopianism and like, you know, the shine has kind of come off, uh, technology in a lot of ways in terms of, you know, all of these unintended consequences and the, the downsides of like growth hacking, evolutionary biology. Right. And I, you know, I kind of think at that time that we were throwing that party, we, we didn't know yet how many of these early adopters there were. It might be everybody. Right. Like, and that, that moment in time, such a moment of like optimism that, yeah, maybe, maybe we all are much more alike than we think. And maybe we, there's many more of us that do share the same values than we think. And, uh, uh, I, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful moment that I think, um, when they sort of tell the tale of like technology in the first part of the uh, 21st century, I think Kiva is a shining example of like the best possible, um, potential for technology at that time. And, uh, that's really what sticks with me. Yeah. Thanks so much for saying that, Bennett. That brought back a lot of feelings and like maybe re realize where we were at that time and sort of step into my body that time, what I was going through. I feel like, um, that era was a big optimistic time in my life. I think, uh, I came into Kiva kind of negative and about my own future and uh, really, really worried about having some sense of meaningful work or just growing old, working in a, um, generic corporation. Um, but the, the early first, first few years sort of broke that and turned me kind of into a person that um, by nature trusts other people, by nature is sort of optimistic about people, um, thinks the world is a good place. And I don't know if I, I felt that way before. I think that was a big part of it for me. Gerard, how did we get you roped in? Well, well if you're back uh, on the, Thank you, that's my favorite. Um, yeah, it's uh, something I saw on mtv.com and I pulled it off um, it's from the 90s. No, um, yeah, how did I get roped in? So I was in DC in 2007. I was moving to San Francisco. And um, I remember one of my coworkers at a nonprofit that I was working for there told me about this thing, Kiva. And um, like really interesting story about microfinance. Muhammad Yunus, I think, had just won the Nobel Prize at that point. So I was like, oh, maybe I should apply to work there. So I looked it up, uh, there was a customer service job open. So I applied to that and uh, somehow miraculously I got it um, despite, despite having no appreciable skills, um, I was a history major. So um, I was like, I, I don't know anything about tech startups or San Francisco or anything. Uh, I've lived in the East Coast my whole life. So I just showed up. Uh, my first day I helped move furniture, um, that was fun. Uh, I wore a suit jacket to work and everyone looked at me like I was a huge, Fiona was like, you're very impressive. Cause I wore a suit jacket. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Um, West coast, West coast, my friend. West coast. So uh, yeah, that's how I got roped in. Uh, I thought it was a cool thing and I wanted to be a part of it. Uh, I, you know, felt like nonprofits were an important thing to do. And it was certainly the most interesting thing and certainly the most like cutting edge thing that was happening. Um, so it was a great thing to be a part of. 
I remember showing up and like one of the first things we had to deal with was this cockfighting loan that got posted in Peru. That uh, was for like a, you know, cockfighting bird. And, yeah. um, you know, Matt was like, what do we do about this? And I was like, I don't know what we should do. <laughs> I don't know. I just got here. And that was Gosh. one of the great things about Kiva where it was just like, what do you want to do? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Let's figure it out. And we just figured it out. Uh, we're like, what does the UN convention on cockfighting say? And we, you know, figured out that there was some anti, you know, we like created a rule and then uh, had to just vet it through Kiva friends who were like, almost like the board of directors because they represented our lenders, which is where all of our money came from, right? Not money to fund the organization necessarily, but to like fund the lenders. Then you realize that there's there's this other stuff that's happening. Like Kiva is just an unassailable good. It's like a public good. It, it, like other people have said, it kind of has to exist. Uh, and I'm really glad that it does. And I know it's changed a lot since I was last there, which is like five years ago now. Um, but I'm glad that we did all that work. It's like a really interesting thing in that like so many people landed in San Francisco at that time and like became millionaires and billionaires. <laughs> they just like got so rich and that didn't happen to me. But I think like I got something else, which was like a totally life-changing experience. And I think it really shaped the way that I think about people and how, like what technology does and what's possible. So yeah, that's what Kevin means to me. These stories are touching. I really like listening to y'all. Justin, what did, um, what does Kevin mean to you today? You know, it's basically my, my first job more or less, like my first real job that I consider, uh, and it was just like you and you and Premel and Johnny being like my basically like uh, North Star on a compass is like be like these guys. And then having a bunch of guys like Gerard and Ryan and like all of the other people at Kiva that were just generally like pretty, pretty chill. It was like, all right, this is what being a, this is the type of person I want to be. This is a good like ethos of like influences around me and at this time in my life I don't know if I was that conscious of it then I think I was pretty conscious of it but like it's definitely like very true now Hmm. some for a lot of people probably a very weird first career experience because it kind of spoils you for the rest of other jobs honestly I want to say one thing Jeremy just showed CLO the that's right i just when i still worked at kiva we had clo i created a kiva profile for him and made a bunch of loans ah, no kidding like uh wow clo for the first i showed kiva to CLO for the first time and i was like here's your profile it's been making loans the whole time it's just on auto loan did, 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 did it retain principal uh yeah we only lost like one loan guys it's working sound all right i'll have you know michelle there's a there's a melodica on the uh, actual recorded version thanks to you yes
Thank you. 
slapped his knee and sang, Ice, Ice Johnny. Whoops, Johnny, 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 whoops, Johnny. Brown eyed Johnny. Johnny says, Stay cool. He had his issues, but his faults were all. and sang ice ice johnny whoops johnny 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 whoops johnny brown eyed johnny johnny says stay cool he had his problems but his faults were on Yeah.